welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. But stuff. It's not just ass-fucking anymore, if it ever was, but a whole spectrum of ass-play. What's the appeal and the fascination? In my lifetime, it's gone from being a secret perversion to borderline mainstream, referenced and discussed in pop culture, both frankly and humorously. And some people feel increasingly pressured to make anal sex part of their repertoire without even knowing if they really want to, let alone knowing how to do it safely and pleasurably. I'm Flick, and today on the Wet Coast, I'm here with Cat Stark discussing the whys and whats of butt stuff. If you like what we're doing, please take a minute to rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite platform. It makes a huge difference for us. Thanks. You can like us on facebook.com slash on the wet coast, or tweet along with us with hashtag on the wet coast. You can follow us on Twitter at wetcoastcat, that's cat with a K, at Sirius Flick at On the Wet Coast. For blogs, reviews, and more, go to onthewetcoast.com. Email your comments and questions to contact at onthewetcoast.com. Get Cat Stark's book, Yelling in Pasties The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, available now on ebook and trade paperback. Go to amazon.com or visit onthewetcoast.com for links to other marketplaces. So, butt stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk uh, at the top of the show, we say we we cover, you know, dirty, dirty sex. But we also we talk a lot about emotional stuff. We do. So this week, it's it's just full on dirty stuff. Yeah. Although that said. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I think there's a lot of emotional stuff related to butt stuff. Well, there is. um, It it, a lot of sex acts have a mental component as well as the physical pleasure. And I think butt stuff is it is as as much as any other. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, because it's something that has always been kind of out there and not like entirely something people talk openly about. Like it's, you know, in our in our sex positive community, there's a lot more of open discussion of this sort of thing. But amongst your friends, you know, uh, just in a casual way, you might be talking about a lot of different sex acts um, and oral sex and PIV and, and various things like that. But it's pretty rare, if ever, that I've had anyone talk about anal. And and uh, any conversations, sort of vanilla conversations with, you know, friends or family, um, family with friends. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> with with uh, um, with friends about butt stuff it's you know it's it's generally just jokes about ass fucking mm-hmm. it's not you know it's not about you know fun or pleasure or exploration it's just you know um uh cue remarks or whatever yeah and i think the fact that anal sex is pleasure yeah. and really nothing else um is why it's not part of uh, high school sex education programs that I'm aware of. Um, although, I mean, I think the sex ed we get here in Canada, particularly in BC, is probably better than it is in a lot of places. But I don't actually know anyone who teaches sex ed, so I can't say whether it is actually <laughs> included. But well, I mean, and, and our our sex education was 
a, a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. The stuff that we got in school, for sure. It was basically like, don't get pregnant, don't get AIDS. Yeah. Like that was, that was really, um, cause we, we came of age in the height of the AIDS panic. And yeah. So that was the main thing. But yeah, pleasure wasn't part of it. And, you know, I, I do suspect that even though some programs are probably getting better, that pleasure is not part of the majority of programs. Well, so. and, and if it is, it's probably pretty oblique and yeah. mainly in relation to, you know, uh, typical hetero PIV sex or masturbation yeah. and, and not, not really, you know, anything that colors outside of those boundaries. Yeah. So like, why would anyone want to do stuff to their butt or to somebody else's butt? That's a good question. I mean, I'd always, uh, you know, assumed a lot of my life that, that, but stuff was something that people endured yeah. for their partner's pleasure. You know, mm-hmm. you let somebody fuck your ass, you know, for, for their pleasure. Um, and, you know, in fact, like reading stuff like, you know, letters to Dan Savage or, you know, or um, first person erotica and stuff. I was actually really skeptical of the idea of anal sex for enjoyment, uh, you know, especially orgasm for people receiving anal. Yeah. And I, I have to say, like, my first m- many <laughs> anal experiences were not about pleasure. Um, the first one I went into, I had no idea. And my boyfriend wanted to do it. And I didn't know any better. And I was like, okay, let's try this. And it was terrible. <laughs> and it was incredibly painful. And we didn't warm up properly or at all. And, you know, it was like vegetable oil from the kitchen. Oh, and I mean, at least he knew to use some sort of lubricant. But yeah. Um, yeah, I had no idea. And it was it was incredibly painful and shocking. And I did not do it again until you and I tried it later. And we did a tiny bit of warm up. But again, neither of us knew what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it took a long time to learn that it actually could be pleasurable, despite like, I think I did get some pleasure from it when we would do it because it was deviant. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that, that's sort of dirty and transgressive part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, for me, uh, a lot of my first, uh, anal explorations were rimming, you know, performing mm. it and, um, you know, and, and there, I, I often describe there's a sort of a specific moan that someone does. The mm. first time they get rimmed, that is sort of, you know, shock both at what's happening and how great it feels. Yeah. And I actually think you rimmed me like early, early on. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm sure I made that, that mm-hmm. moan because no one had ever done that. And I was very surprised that you would want to do <laughs> that. And, and yeah, it felt really fucking good. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, there's often a lot of, for people that aren't actually into full on butt stuff, there is a lot of pleasure around the area that they can get, you know, whether it's from oral sex that goes sort of south in the perineum, not quite to the ass, but is kind of, you know, hinting down there or, you know, kneading of the buttocks or squeezing and almost, you know, um, reaching someone's butthole. So there's a, there's a lot of teasing around it 
for people that aren't even necessarily, you know, into ass play. Yeah. Because there, there are a lot of nerve endings. Like, oh, yeah. there's huge concentrations of nerve endings. So there's a really good reason as to why it feels good. Yeah. Your body is wired for that area to relieve, um, to relieve. Oh gosh. Well, that already, hopefully, already, hopefully already went that way. Um, to receive, uh, pleasure from, from the area. And it, when it comes to external play, that's, you know, um, that, that's going to be a lot of, you know, really almost like sort of comforting whole body sensations mm-hmm. that go through you. Um, internal play from insertion is really unique sensation yes. and it can be very confusing. Yeah. And, you know, and so sometimes you can feel kind of panicky because of how strange the sensations are. Sometimes, you can kind of confuse those sensations for pain. It should, yeah. but it shouldn't be painful. No. Those, you know, the uh, sometimes you know intensity or unfamiliarity yeah. can can feel a, a sort of discomfort. Yeah. You know, and and uh, you know, exploring and getting more familiar with that can help to to subside it. Like you know, like uh, like trying trying something exotic uh, food wise a few times. The first time, you just don't even really know what you've put in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there are other organs in there that also are specific pleasure givers. The prostate can give very specific pleasure. And a lot of people with G-spots get amazing uh, G-spot orgasms from anal play. And I have to say, I actually, the one and only orgasm I've had with specifically anal play was using a pure wand in my butt. Right. Yeah. And, and I squirted. Um, so I was able to, to stimulate my G spot in that way. And, and it was very unexpected. <laughs> um, <laughs> as was my first squirting orgasm with, with the pure wand. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can get pleasure, um, from your butt. And, and one of them is what we talked about a moment ago is the like the taboo transgressive nature of doing butt stuff. Yeah, there's there's sort of the thrill of the forbidden, mm-hmm. the naughtiness that some people describe, um, you know, or, you know, depending on on your upbringing, it might be like, you know, ex, you know, extremely off limits. And yeah. so, you know, when you create that's, you know, that sense of taboo that also creates sexual charge. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, also, it can be something that fucks with gender roles. You know, um, a guy receiving anal pleasure, you know, uh, even even externally, let alone penetration, this can, um, you know, this can add a lot of excitement. But that's also something that can be a barrier to people. You know, guy guys can think that it that it's you know that it's gay to for to let someone touch their butt. And even today, a lot of people of my generation still have a lot of homophobia. And yeah. so, you know, the idea of butt stuff is, you know, um, it, 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 it could turn you queer. Yeah. And it, it does seem, you know, ridiculous to think that a sex act could, could do anything like that. But yeah, it's, it was so, it was so forbidden and it's been kind of amazing to, to see how gender roles now have, have changed significantly. Although when we look at the internet, a lot of the time, <laughs> <it> maybe <laughs> feel like, not as significantly as I sometimes imagine, but 
um, for younger generations coming yep. up, um, for the millennials, um, things well, I, are, yeah, I feel like are pretty different. I feel like the progressive edge yeah. of sexuality is, is much more, you know, anal positive and, yeah. you know, and open to, to exploration. The average, uh, North American, um, probably has not shifted that much yeah. in our lifetime, but, you know, like I said, sort of the progressive yeah. edge has a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, but that, that transgression of the gender roles is for some a barrier, but for some is a big turnoff. For sure. Yeah. Um, to flip that both like in the power dynamic, you know, I must admit, like for me, um, you know, pegging and, and using toys on you and, and fingers and my tongue and everything, like they're, the, like that power dynamic of of giving you that pleasure and and entering you in that way is is super hot for me. Yeah, and I I to to be completely frank, that you know that gender fucking was one of the things that was a real obstacle to yeah. me for a long time. You know, feeling you know what does this mean for my you know my masculinity? What if people found out? You know that kind of thing. So that was. That was an obstacle to, you know, experiencing a, a whole world of, of pleasure and sexuality for me. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, like I heard of it when Dan Savage was talking about it in the mid nineties and I when was, he was naming it. Yeah. When he was naming it, um, calling it pegging. Um, I was like, we should do this, like the bend over boyfriend. And, and, um, like I was like, let's like, this is the thing we should try. This is going to be awesome. And bought a harness and was like, yeah. well, let's go pick out dildos. And you were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't actually want to do this. Well, so. yeah. And, you know, and, and one of the, um, we we did a little bit of um anal play together in our mm-hmm. early days uh and i found it uncomfortable yeah. so i assumed that i just didn't, didn't like, like stuff in my butt yeah and um you know and and we'll talk a little bit about that more later but um you know that was you know that was that was partly us not really knowing the right yeah. way to proceed but you know also um it was it was things like you know unfamiliar sensations yeah. and you know and also Maybe I didn't like that particular thing. And that might, you know, that might be something for some of our listeners. Maybe you've had experiences that you didn't like, but, um, you know, maybe it doesn't mean the whole area is off limits. Maybe you just didn't like that. Maybe it was rushed. Maybe you and your partner just didn't actually know, you know, how to proceed and how to explore. Or even just that day, it wasn't right. Maybe it was a, yeah, honestly, maybe it's a bad day. Like I've, I've had bad butt days where, you know, I thought I would be good to go and it turned out I wasn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talking about it, it making you queer always reminds me of the lyric from Rachel Lark's hilarious, you only live once, um, the asshole song. Um, that, you know, if it does make you queer, wouldn't that news be useful to hear? <laughs> um, and that, that whole song is very worth looking up, uh, on YouTube or, or buying, uh, from her and, and she is hilarious. But yeah, that piece of it always, always makes me think of her song. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we mentioned, um, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't like what you tried. Maybe it was, it was the wrong day, but you know, also, if there's anything that you don't like, that's okay. If you don't like anything, that's okay too. There's a lot of pressure uh, for people to perform, to be up for anal. You know, I, I feel like maybe anal is where oral was 40 years ago, where it's something that, you know, people feel is expected of them, but not everybody is up for. Yeah. And I have, like, I have a lot of issues myself with anal play. Um 
with the, I mean, there's things I like, and I've written articles about this, about how I want to be, how I'm a wannabe anal queen and all this stuff, because, because of all of this, like, I have this idea that it's something that, like, cool people like, and, you know, sex positive people like, and, and all this kind of thing. So it's been really challenging for me to discover my own limits. And, and I think of myself as someone who doesn't like it. But you know, you had to remind me the other day when we were talking about this, that I actually do really like so much about it. And in fact, when I play by myself, I've had things much bigger in my ass than you've ever had in yours. You've had some huge things in your ass. Yet I think of myself as completely incapable of being of doing butt stuff. And you as someone who, you know, can totally tolerate butt stuff. So it, you know, there's, there's a big psychological component to that and expectations and, you know, comparisons and all that kind of thing. So, you know, it might take a bit of a deep dive into your brain and your expectations to, to play with some of this stuff. Um, well, you bring up a good point, right? It doesn't need to be with a partner. Yeah. You can, you can do it by yourself as a form of masturbation or while, you know, doing other masturbation as a way to learn about what you like. And, um, you know, it, this can have a lot less pressure. You're not worried about performing or disappointing somebody having to, you know, go fast enough to keep their interest. Yeah, exactly. Because um, that's often something it's it's something I've wanted to try with one trusted partner. It's basically like you and one other trusted partner that I'd be willing to <laughs> to uh, do more than like fingers with. Um, but I hey, trusted partner. <laughs> You, you might be in there. Um, but I, like, basically, I'm like, it takes me two hours to get there. Yeah. And, you know, we, he and I don't get two hours yeah. to do butt stuff. Like, that's just not how it works um, with, you know, things. Um, so, like, I just, I doubt it will ever happen with him because we just won't have the kind of time that I require. And I have a lot of anxiety about that. Um, but you know, you've all heard plenty about my anxiety. Um, yeah. Ma yeah. Masturbation was actually one of the, the first, it, it was, um, it was one of the things that led me into, into, um, but exploration as well, yeah. where, you know, I was, I was jerking off and just kind of, you know, slid my hand down and kind of, you know, uh, put some pressure on, on my butthole and, and perineum and was just, it was like, um, it was like fireworks went mm -hmm. off, you know, it was, it was, it was in a way actually it was not that different from like the first time I jerked off as, as a kid till I came, you know, yeah. it was, it was like that, uh, extra level of excitement and intensity. Yeah. So. Well, that's awesome. Um, the other thing that often comes up for people with butt stuff and, um, the idea of, you know, it's an exit, not an entrance, and that, you know, it's dirty, not in the, like, dirty, but in the, you know, ew. in the ew, dirty. And, I mean, reality? Yeah, the, the, uh, that... It, that It can be. That is where it comes out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I think a lot of people um, may not know a lot about the anatomy there, yeah. and th the poop doesn't get stored right inside your anus. Yes. Your your rectum is normally empty unless you you know you're you're getting full and, and are moving towards having to to have a bowel movement. Yeah. So uh so yeah generally it's it's empty and in fact there's a lot of room up there. Yeah. Right? And you know people are often worried about you know whether they're going to have room but 
um, you've got a lot of room in terms of length. It's the girth that's a pro- that, that's a problem. And once you get past the sphincter, it's you know there's like a whole apartment in there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a reality. Yeah, you know it's it's important to be realistic, but um, but yeah, a lot of the fears based on how dirty it is are are fairly unfounded and there's various things you can do um about that which we will talk uh, about as we go yeah and, you know and and it's it's worthwhile to be to be frank right like if um you know if you're putting a finger in somebody and you know and and there's stuff in there and it squicks you out just say you know actually i think you're a little bit full uh you know or and uh you know maybe it's not the best time to um for full-on butt stuff yeah but it's also why gloves are great because you just take the glove off yes. and you have a clean hand. Yeah. Well, and and uh, and it's also one of the great things about black gloves. Yes. You don't you don't have to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Like so many things, uh, anal play or anal sex is not anything like it is in porn. No. No. It is. It. It's really nothing like porn. Porn is to sex as die hard is to law enforcement. It's a complete fantasy. Um, I, you know, I, I like to think of them as like sexy stunt people, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. It is for, you know, the sexual pleasure of viewers, but just like a big action scene in an action movie, a lot of invisible preparation goes into it before and during yeah. training, fasting, enemas and warm up, you know, and, and often you, you don't see the loop in, no. in the porn. It's no. just like, Hey, magically the cock is just sliding in and yeah. out. Like, and, and a giant cock. Yes. Usually. Yeah. Usually a giant cock, but often, you know, for quite a while before that scene, they'll be sitting there with a giant butt plug in yeah. so that they're ready for it. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, these are sexy stunt people. Yeah. So, you know, they have, they have trained and their, their butts are, are often, you know, ready to go in a way that, that most of our butts are not. Mm-hmm. So when you, know, when you want to get started getting ready to do more intense butt stuff, start indirect. Yeah. Uh, you know, just playing with the butt cheeks, playing with the perineum, which is also known as the taint. Yeah. <laughs> um, the gooch, some people call it. <laughs> the gooch? Yeah. Haven't you heard it called the gooch? I don't know. Maybe. They used to call it the gooch on uh, Jackass. <laughs> yes. Remember when he puts the electrodes on the yes, gooch? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, You're welcome, everybody. I just referenced jackass. Oh, my. Um, yeah. So, yeah, playing with that area uh, between either the balls or the pussy and the perineum, um, you know, you're almost touching your butthole. Like, that area can be, like, really exciting. And it's also, you know, full of a bunch of wonderful nerve endings. So, starting nice and indirect um, is a really great, uh, way to start so you're not just like a full-on you know rear attack and just going for it yeah. you know um, and, and maybe this and, and the, not maybe this is as far as you go yeah right? like maybe this isn't a start but maybe this is what you like maybe yeah. this is how you get some some excitement uh you know around your butt yeah and and that's awesome there's there's lots of wonderful things to feel with that um but, you know, if you if you want to go a little more intense, you know, just stroking around the outside of the asshole. And I think that's something most of us do not spend nearly enough time doing. No, it feels amazing. It feels it, really, really good. Yeah, and it's um, it, it can often be a nice thing. You know, it, it can be great 
sort of, uh, you know, uh, late in a sexual encounter as a way of kind of amping it up. Maybe somebody's, you know, uh, been having a hard time kind of, you know, uh, getting to climax mm-hmm. and, you know, a little bit of external stroking, maybe just some pressure, you know, on the butthole without trying to, to get insertion, but, you know, sort of well lubed, you know, um, stroking or massage mm-hmm. outside. It can really put someone right over the edge for a really explosive orgasm. Yeah. And I, that's often one of my go-to moves for you during like group sex, (laughs) um, is like, especially if you're doing something to someone else is, is I will either, I will stroke you either with fingers or, you know, often with my tongue as well. Um, you know, because I know that that's it's a tough life, people. <laughs> something that drives you just like right over the edge. And I know that you will be a very happy person uh, related to that. <laughs> Have you gone to your happy place? Now? <laughs> yes. I'm feeling, feeling a little warm in this cool basement all of a sudden. Um, so rimming, also known as analingus or tossing the salad. Um, I'm sure there are even more. Super classy term, <laughs> uh, terms for this. Um, yeah. There's, uh, you know, and, and uh, people also talk about uh, rusty trombone, which is you oh, know, yeah. rimming plus a hand job because yeah. it's like you're playing the slide trombone. Yeah. I had to Google that after I sang the song that I mentioned the rusty <laughs> trombone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rim- Another funny thing to Google, Sherman and Madeline. <laughs> It's a pretty great song. So, you know, um, rimming, um, is, it, it's, it's like, um, it's another form of external stroking, but just kind of takes it to that other level. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, the dexterity that you have with your, with your tongue, the softness of it, sort of the, the different flexibilities you have with it. Yeah. It, it's pretty amazing. It's obviously, you know, not for everybody. No. You know, um, some people don't like having it done. Uh, and a lot of people do not like doing it. Um, a friend of ours who is super game for all kinds of butt stuff, you know, um, she's one of these people that's generally ready to go, likes large objects. Yeah. Does not like the idea of rimming. Actually, she likes the idea of rimming, but not the reality. Yeah. She likes seeing it done. She likes seeing it in porn. She doesn't want it done to her. She doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And um, oral barriers is a fantastic way for a lot of people to get over this. Yeah, if you got um, that squick factor about it, rimming. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, not only does it protect you against, you know, anything that potentially, you know, you are putting your mouth on someone's asshole. You know, there are things that that are uh, related to that, but um, oral barriers are fantastic. Some saran wrap um, or a dental dam um, can be just fantastic, both for the receiver to feel a little more comfortable if they're feeling a bit um, self-conscious or for the giver to to give her, um, <laughs> that they just feel, you know, more relaxed and, and more confident there. Um so yeah, it's, it's fantastic both as, as the, uh, potential STI barrier, but also just for a comfort, you know, and as well, just like getting in the shower just beforehand is another really awesome thing that you can do to feel a little more comfortable, uh, for rimming. But I love, like, I love rimming. I love having it done to me. And I, I really like doing it to other people. Yeah. And same. I, and if, if someone doesn't, doesn't feel like they want to reciprocate, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to do it. Um, but yeah, like you, I also love having it done to me. Yes. It's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, 
what people mostly think about when they think about butt stuff is insertion. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, obviously fingers uh, or toys um, and uh, in particular butt plugs. Um, yeah. Butt plugs uh, are, are also a good way to kind of kind of train a bit. It's nothing like being ass fucked. No. But what it does do is it sort of relaxes the area. It kind of gets the area sort of more comfortable with, you know, something being inside you. So say I'm expecting to get pegged. I might wear a butt plug a few times over a week before the, before the, the pegging. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and especially if, you know, I haven't had a, you know, uh, insertion in quite a while. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just, a, it's just a way to kind of get more comfortable with it. And, uh, I, I, I generally don't like to do it the day that I'm getting pegged because it kind of wears me out a bit. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And the key with, with butt plugs is that they have like generally like a, a tapered tip that that widens and then it goes to a much narrower neck on it so that it you know it slides into you and sort of expands you but then your sphincters are able to close and hold it in place in the way that it wouldn't if you put like a dildo with that has a more consistent length um or it'll probably just shoot right yeah exactly and you know, those of us who have fairly strong muscle contractions with orgasm will still generally shoot most butt plugs out of <laughs> us. Um, which, yes, I, I, I don't know that there's a single butt plug I have not shot out of me on <laughs> orgasm. But, um, but yeah, the idea is that, that your sphincters are able to close a bit and just hold that in place. So, you know, you can walk around the house. You can, like, if you're doing like the prep kind of work that Flick was referencing, you know, you can wear it for like, you know, an hour or something while you, while you're doing various things and, and can just like gradually, you know, train yourself a little more to be comfortable with that sensation because initially it does feel really weird to have something expanding because if you, if it's not something you've done before, the only experience you have of that sensation is like that you're trying to evacuate. Yeah. And I know that it took a long time for my brain to work out that I didn't have to evacuate <laughs> um, when stuff was going in. It was like, oh, no, no, no. Hang on. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, well, no, it's, no, that's just what those nerves are used to doing when they're expanded. So they're just getting a little confused. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and butt plugs aren't just prep, but, you know, they're pleasure yeah, in themselves. They are, you know, for sure. One of the sensations that people enjoy is the feeling of fullness in, you know, in, in their rectum. And so, um, you know, having it in while masturbating mm-hmm. or, you know, engaging in other sexual activity, uh, it can, it can be really fun and intense. Some people do find that, uh, having something in their butt can be an impediment to other orgasms. Yeah. So, um, uh, so, some people don't with the, who normally squirt during sexual activity might not squirt if they've got it in there. Some people might have, uh, you know, trouble with, um, uh, you know, with trying to get an erection. Yeah. But for, you know, but for a lot of people, um, they're, they're not so worried about the erection. They're more focused on the sensation, uh, yeah. you know, around their butt and their prostate. Yeah, you know, there's so many different kinds of butt plugs that you can, you know, try a bunch out and see what what works for you, whether they're metal or glass or silicone, um, whether they they vibrate, um, or there's the rimming plug that has the nice beads that that rotate to sort of uh, 
synthesize that. I'd that. really like to try that, but that thing is so big. They have made a smaller version of it that we should try to get our, well, maybe, our butts on. Um, <laughs> and uh, because, yeah, it is it is a little intimidating. Um, and I have had it in my butt and it's a lot. But um, but yeah, the sensation was really was really pleasant. Um, so, yeah, the, there's a lot of different ways to to get pleasure from from plugs. So, um, also there's obviously ass fucking and pegging as a subgroup of that. Um, and, um, this, you know, this isn't, this isn't necessarily what, you know, like we said before, this is, this isn't going to be like you see in porn, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, it might be a lot slower. It might not even involve, you know, a lot of thrusting. Yeah. What a lot of people enjoy is, you know, maybe just, um, you know, having, having the phallus inserted and just maybe a, you know, a little bit of rocking or just a, you know, a little bit of, you know, very, uh, very small motion and thrusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also doesn't mean that like you, you win at ass sex if it's <laughs> what you like or, or that. Yeah. Like, this isn't the finish line. Yeah. Like if you, if you stop at any of the stages before that, including the first stage, you know, that's totally great. And all of these are just extra stages, but they're not better stages. No, they're not better. They're different. And, you know, and, and these, the sensations are so different Mm -hmm. that you might like this and only see the other stuff as a warm up to this, or you might not really like this that much. And mainly the, the butt stuff that you like is that other thing. So yeah, this is, this is not like at a a higher level on the hierarchy of sex acts. Yeah. Unlike anal fisting, which is, uh, you know, on a different level. That is on a on a way different level, as is vaginal fisting. Um, you know, this requires a lot of training and an anatomy that is is willing to <laughs> go there. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is not an amateur act. This is not something that, again, like if you're watching it in porn, if you're surfing around on Tumblr, looking at buttholes, you're going to see a lot of it. And cause I know, cause I do that. Um, it, um, you know, this is, this is like beyond varsity level. This is like NHL level. Yeah. This, this, um, yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is pro or Olympic level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but just flashing back to the, the fucking or the pegging, um, we didn't mention like, double penetration mm, um mm-hmm. which you know you're getting a penis in the vagina and the anus or spit roasting in the you know in the anus and mouth or global entry slash airtight which involves you know a cock in the vagina the anus and the mouth so there are variations um wait i thought that global entry also was uh one in each hand that might be We'll have, we'll have to check in with Ginger about that because I think she came up with the term. But yeah, I think I think global entry is airtight plus your hands are full as well. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. It says entry and yeah. <laughs> anyway, my my semantic brain. Don't be so literal. I <laughs> I'm like stop. You don't have, be you. <laughs> I'm like you have spent more than two decades with me saying you stop being so literal is is a bit of a lost cause. <laughs> Um, and we always come to the fun stuff with like risk awareness. Oh, yay. So everybody loves talking about this. Um, anal contact actually carries the same STI risks of other sexual activity through skin or fluid transfer. And in fact, 
because of the sort of sensitivity of the area, um, for some STIs, it actually has elevated risk. Yeah. Because the, the, the tissue is so delicate. Yeah. Uh, the membranes are so thin and so delicate that. And, and designed actually, to absorb. Yeah. It actually increases, um, the risk for some things. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's like, Every kind of sex act, there are risks involved, but, you know, just going into it educated and aware um, and manage your risks for your comfort level. There are actually some some additional risks to rimming um, in addition to all the other potential STI transmission that you can have from, from oral sex. Uh, there's also the potential for GI bacteria or parasites yeah. to be transferred. So, you know, um, in addition to for the sake of your partner, um, you know, a thorough cleanliness helps to reduce the risks of that. And, you know, obviously, uh, for rimming, we talked about, uh, barriers, whether yeah. it's, um, saran wrap or, uh, dental dams, um, and for, for, um, penis and, and ass, um, condoms, mm-hmm. uh, help to, uh, help to reduce the risks. Yeah. So why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we will talk about how to butt stuff. Sounds good. Nearly 20 years into her marriage, Kat and her husband faced head on the great underlying fear of most monogamous people. My partner wants to have sex with other people. For them, that truth led to a roller coaster of new sexual and romantic adventures. After starting things off with a fun and friendly threesome, this couple explore ethical non-monogamy through swinging, casual sex, group sex, solo dating, and eventually stumble into polyamory. In her new book, Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, Kat Stark tells the story of her first three years in non-monogamy, how her life and relationships evolved, from the dirty, dirty sex to the heartbreak and back again, without glossing over the parts where she upped it right up. Join Kat on her very sexy journey by buying Yelling in Pasties, available at Amazon. Find out more at onthewetcoast.com. And we're back on the Wet Coast. So we're talking about butt stuff and we're getting to how to. So yeah, let's start out with with doing fingers. Um, yeah, this is this is actually, you know, because this this is prep that will probably require a few hours before, this is kind of like step zero is making sure that your hands and nails are in really good shape. Yeah. And it doesn't mean your nails have to be super short, but they just need to be trimmed. There's no sharp corners um, or, you know, some jagged calluses on your fingers. A uh, really awesome thing. I, I just generally prefer to always wear gloves when I'm doing butt play just for the cleanup factor. Um, and you know, it's just also like for like two hours later when you're like, do I smell ass? And you just realize they even after you've washed your hand a number of times, like (laughs) your your fingers kind of smell like ass. Um, I just prefer to wear gloves to just prevent that from happening. Um, but it's also great if you've got like super long nails, you know, you can put some cotton balls in the tips of the fingers. It decreases your um, sort of palpation uh, sensitivity that you of your ability to feel, but it, it just, you know, is going to protect those delicate tissues we yeah. were talking about before the break. Now, when it comes to trimming nails, I actually like to trim a few, uh, you know, a few hours before or even the previous day because the trimming 
actually does create, you yeah. know, a bit of a sharp surface at the right angle where, you know, where you've cut the nail. Yeah. So, so I like to have an extra day for those to, to kind of soften up and round, round on their own just through, through normal, you know, wear and tear, keyboarding, yeah. that sort of stuff. And other people just use a file after they trim yeah. and that's another. Or emery board. Yeah. Um, but yeah, gloves are great. Um, I just, I love the cleanup factor to just like take them off and, you know, any, if there has been anything that you've encountered that you're not super excited about, <laughs> um, you know, it's just a really easy way to be like, that didn't happen. And, and it's tucked away and away you go. So, so, uh, one of the best ways to start is just to kind of warm up the whole area, starting mm-hmm. indirectly and kind of, kind of like, you know, um, Starting wide and, you know, moving your way in. So, uh, with massage, you talked about, you know, sque- squeezing or kneading the butt cheeks. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of people, you know, spanking or biting or scratching can, can be a way to kind of, you know, um, not just bring blood to the area, but also awareness. You're yeah. Trying to get them sort of, you know, thinking about their butt. You know, obviously, you know, anything, um, that could be, that could be potentially triggering, like, you know, uh, spanking or biting, you, you want to clear that with your partner first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even if you're not particularly into, you know, pain or, you know, intense impact, you know, a bit of light spanking, a mm-hmm. little bit of biting, you know, n- sort of maybe like a, a two out of 10 yeah. in intensity that it can be really nice and, you know, and, and really kind of, you know, because of the, um, uh, you know, that, that area doesn't always get a lot of touch and attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're thinking about it as like kind of percussive massage. Yes. Rather than spanking. <laughs> yes. Um, that, that is maybe just, you know, a way because like we do know some dear friends who, you know, anything spanking related is super triggering. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, would be important with that person to never feel that they were, they were getting uh, getting something that they weren't uh, okay with, but yeah, like you know, some per- percussive massage is a is a slightly different sort of approach. So if you're thinking about that, you're probably going to touch someone differently than you are if you're thinking about spanking them lightly. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, good tip. So if the plan is to go inside, um, my advice is always to think about what slow is and go about five times slower than that. <laughs> Or if you want to be literal, go 20% that speed. Um, that's, you know, that's because uh, it doesn't matter what you've decided, your sphincters get to decide what's <laughs> going to go in. They're the final arbiter of, yeah. uh, of entry. Especially that secondary sphincter, the internal sphincter. Yeah. Because um, I find my external sphincter is way more cooperative. Well, I, I feel like we have a lot more semi-voluntary control yeah. over our outer sphincter and yeah. can, you know, kind of, you know, mentally relax and sort of, you know, um, uh, will it, will it open to some extent? Yeah. But yes, that, that inner, you know, if you're not familiar with the anatomy, the, the anus is actually two different sphincters with, with a, a tube of muscle between them. Yeah. And so, you know, um, if your, if your finger is going inside and you feel like there's like a barrier in there, that's that second sphincter. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've talked about this with, with people who weren't aware of the anatomy and, and they're like, Oh, that's the one that is like, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> yes. And then, ooh. <laughs> um, and I'm like, 
Yes, that is that one. That's but, the one. But it is also nice if it, if you don't have to get the ow, 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 ow um, first, yeah. but it's, you know, it might be more like, uh, what? Yeah. Why? Huh? Yeah. Some, some, um, sometimes people get, they, they get a little worried when, when they hear the phrase, you know, it should never hurt because yeah. they enjoy butt stuff, but they're like, but sometimes it hurts a little. You know, there's, um, especially with that, that inner sphincter, there's often a kind of intensity, um, that is almost painful, you know, but just, just be, a, just be aware that, you know, you want to go really slow and, um, you know, and there may be a bit of discomfort there, but that's different from, from the, oh fuck, you know, uh, stop pain, you know, and one, it's one of the benefits of playing solo a bit is that you can kind of approach that slower and, you know, and learn what that, what that, uh, difference really is. Yeah. And I definitely, I, I, I really agree with you that there, there is that discomfort, the difference between discomfort and pain. Yes. And if you've ever had like a massage and, yeah. you know, there is that big difference between that, like, Oh, wow, that, oh, you're really digging in there, you know, yeah. and, and that thing where like that kind of hurts, but it feels like good or at least interesting <laughs> versus yeah, an like, intriguing discomfort, maybe. Um, versus like, fuck that just that kills and and like stop 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 because like if you're getting those kind of stop 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 there's a chance that you are doing some harm to the yeah. tissues and i have definitely you know playing solo ignored my own powered through as it were and have powered through and have bled and have been sore for two or three days yeah. and you know um so you know there are real ramifications to mm -hmm. ignoring those alarm systems and just slowing the fuck down is how you get through that stuff. Now, um, you, you, you may have heard this, uh, with other sex educators, but, you know, especially for, you know, getting past that, um, that outer sphincter, especially if it seems a little timid, there's a maneuver that they call ring the doorbell, which is you don't, you don't kind of poke your way in, but you just lay the pad of your finger on the opening and it will start to relax and open up for you. And, you know, and a lot of this stuff, if you're going slow, if the, um, you know, if the receiver is responsive, often it's going to invite you in. Yeah. And, you know, you're not going to have to force. And then, you know, in fact, when you're inserting, especially, um, you know, a finger, there's often a temptation to just kind of push mm -hmm. right through the middle and, you know, um, that's, that's not necessarily the best approach. You, you may want to, this, you know, this is easier to show in person than to describe on, you know, on yes, a podcast. He's doing some, some great hand motions there. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I'm making a butthole with my finger <laughs> yeah. on my left hand. And the wiggling, I'm like, I kind of want him to touch my butt. <laughs> So don't worry, I'll touch your butt. So, um, you know, once you've, once, uh, the, the door is open and it's let you, let you in, um, rather than just, you know, um, pushing away right down the middle, you kind of push against the side as well as in. And, and if you start to feel a little resistance, stop pushing forward and maybe push against a different side of the sphincter and then ease your way in and, you know, and maybe twist a little bit to kind of, you know, overcome some of the friction because, you know, um, that's, that's a lot of what we're doing here is, is just kind of trying to, to ease our way in without creating too much friction. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you know, as you as you work your way in, it's it's great to actually focus on working your way around. Right. Yeah, a good um, tip. So, you know, rather than necessarily thinking like, okay, let's move forward all the time, like let's let's massage like around the whole circumference of mm-hmm. this sphincter. Yeah. Um on the outside or like once you get inside, let's like work the, you know, the entire circumference of this, you know, the little bit of gentle twisting and a bit of pressure in all the different directions. Yep. Or you could draw a little star to kind of, you know, uh, work your way across all the di- different, different sides. Yeah. Yeah. So there's different ways to just like touch the different areas so that it's not just because of the way that it does constrict and then dilate. There's, if you only get, a piece of the muscle relaxed, it's maybe only going to relax in that one direction. And there might be, you know, parts of the rest of it that are, are less relaxed and more resistant and they just need a little more attention. Yeah. And if it's, and if it's not that relaxed, then if you're pushing directly in, you're You're just going to get resistance. Yeah. And you're just going to kind of pull a bunch of the tissue with you and you want to avoid pulling, pulling a lot with you. You want to kind of, you know, um, kind of leave it behind and slide past it. Yeah. And I do because I'm a, an anatomy nerd find it so fascinating, the difference in lengths of people's, the muscle between the two sphincters. And I'm always very excited. Some people excited. have very long buttholes. <laughs> I'm always like really excited by that. Um, and I also have very small hands and, and fairly short fingers. So I can't always even reach someone's prostate you know, based on, on the length of their butthole (laughs) and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I just, yeah, I just find that super intriguing and, and people are less excited than me when I'm like, wow, you have a lot of distance between your two sphincters. Now, some people don't really like fingers and in particular don't like multiple fingers. Yes. So in that case, you know, a small toy, um, a very, uh, um, I feel like a narrow, uh, butt plug can be better than, than a sort of a, a very small, uh, phallus shaped toy because sort of the way it tapers is like really conducive to kind of, you know, yeah. um, getting in there and then, you know, slowly stretching, slowly stretching. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you, if you are working multiple fingers in, then, um, you want to kind of m- mimic the shape of a butt plug toy. So try to make your, you know, especially the first two fingers, kind of make them into a conical shape by bringing the tips of the fingers overlapping. Mm-hmm. And that will kind of make the tip as small as you can. And then as, as it dilates for you, you can work uh, into the sort of wider part where your, your two fingers uh, thicken and separate. Yeah. Because depending on the shape of someone's hands, you know, they might be very wide at the knuckle, especially if you get like two fingers in there. And if they don't have a lot of flexibility between their fingers, like it it can be really uncomfortable. And I often find two fingers feels way more intense than a dildo. Yeah. And often that is because especially that that second knuckle there's a big kind of knobby obstacle to kind of get past. An obstacle? An <laughs> obstacle. Damn you. <laughs> An obstacle. Um, so, you know, like, like with all of these, um, you know, especially if you're, if you're just starting out or you haven't done it in a while, you know, don't be really goal oriented, but just kind of, you know, uh, enjoy what you're doing and you don't need to necessarily get, you know, your whole finger in. You don't necessarily need to even get your finger in past the second sphincter, you know, just, um, just kind of, just, you know, just kind of enjoy, enjoy what you're doing. 
Yeah. And that it's, it's such an important thing for us to remember because like, you know, I'm, I'm totally like this. Um, very goal oriented. Very goal oriented. And I often, you know, forget about actually experiencing the pleasure that I'm experiencing, you know, <laughs> like just being there in that moment and just feeling what you're feeling, um, is really important. And, and often, you know, if you are goal oriented, it's easy to feel like a failure if you don't get yeah, to, yeah. if you don't get to where you were wanting to be. Whereas if you're focused on the pleasure, you got to have that pleasure. And if, if it turns out that, you know, your body is not up for whatever that day, you still got to experience that pleasure. And that is an awesome thing. Yeah. One of the things I, I, I want to mention about this is that. This works really well if there's a lot of communication, yes. right? If no, there's a essential. lot, if there's a lot of back and forth, it's like, do you like this or do you like this? Do you want deeper? Do you want more? You know, like just uh, asking a lot of specific questions, um, asking what would you like me to do often doesn't work very well yeah. because often people have no idea what happens when you someone puts their finger in their butt, right? Yeah. Like you, you feel a lot of things down there and it's like, I don't know what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone's not really able to communicate with you, like, do you like this or this? And, and they're just kind of like, I don't know. It's like, well, like, do you want me to continue? Is a very good question <laughs> at that point. Cause, you know, it might not be the right day for it or it might not be the right partner for it. Yep. Um, that it's, you know, important to realize this stuff. And, and, you know, and as we talked about a few things earlier, um, that it might not be for you. It's also important, like, not to try to pressure a partner into doing this because it's something that you want to do. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, if it's something that you might enjoy together, it's worth trying together, you know, as long as no one is really uncomfortable with it. But, like, respecting that someone, this might just not be someone's thing mm-hmm. and that you're better off going and jerking off to some really hot porn um, <laughs> rather than like putting someone through something that they're really just isn't working for their body. One of the things I want to mention is that um, when you're working your way out, you want to do a lot of the same things. Yeah. You don't want to just pull, you know, uh, directly out. You want to kind of work your way out. Yeah. Not not as slow as you worked your way in, but yeah. you know, s- slower than um, than just you know uh, pulling right out. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about internal stimulation, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you know if you have uh, touched someone's G spot, if you've helped someone to have a G spot orgasm. A lot of the same techniques work because it's it's very similar. It's it's a, yeah. a uh, it's an analog in many ways. Yeah, for sure. Some uh, some people uh, with a penis may um, may prefer to be hard when they're having butt stuff done. Some people may prefer to be soft, or just you know they just don't get hard uh, yeah. or stay hard. Yeah, uh, it's really common. Yeah, it's very common, and. Um, uh, my suspicion, I have a very small sample size for this, but my suspicion is that uh, people with uh, sensitive prostates who don't like a lot of prostate stimulation are probably more likely to like being hard hmm. because um, because being hard, that additional erectile tissue 
protects the prostate. That makes sense. And people who want to have prostate orgasms, who want direct prostate stimulation, they might be better off, you know, tr- um, trying to stay soft because that will give better access to the prostate. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and people have also said, uh, you know, if you're, if you are chasing a prostate orgasm to, you know, to, to not stimulate the penis too much because that'll make you want to have, to have a, a um, a, a traditional orgasm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so stimulating the prostate, um, you, you know, using, you can use like some direct pressure, you know, again, it's not poking, but, you know, <laughs> pressing and releasing, um, or like the, the classic come hither maneuver, um, of beckoning someone or like some circular stroking, some windshield wiper, which is my absolute favorite on the <laughs> G spot. Um, and, you know, all of these different motions are, are, you know, great ways to stimulate the prostate or the G-spot through the butthole. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's worth exploring like what your particular partner likes or, you know, what sort of combination of strokes they seem to prefer or what series that they like to start here and then get to here and then get to here. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can, that you can touch the prostate or the G-spot through the butt. And some people may have, sort of um asymmetrical responses right yeah. so they they might prefer sort of you know uh it being stroked uh to the left but not to the right mm-hmm. or um they they might want a variety something uh it because of the sensitivity of the prostate it's something that could get you know very uh irritated by you know the same stimulus uh pretty quickly yeah. so you know if if someone's doing something maybe just ask them to do something different if it's trying to get get irritated um so, uh, sometimes that discomfort might feel a little bit like uh like a sort of burning sensation so mm-hmm. and i have definitely felt that in my g spot when someone is basically using me as like a joy buzzer you know um <laughs> poke poke that, poke you know they just think it's amazing that i just keep you know fountaining this liquid and they you know it's just like it gets to a point where it's like it's okay, like, okay knock it off stop touching me there um you know and and some I'm not a water pistol yeah some people with the the idea of like milking the prostate and like forcing seminal fluid out through the penis from direct prostate stimulation um that someone you know sometimes if if they're in like a cock cage or you know that sort of thing there's different ways that um that some people like really enjoy to have uh their balls emptied uh, without a as you called a traditional orgasm ejaculatory (laughs) ejaculatory um that you know there's different ways to stimulate the prostate and and you know we don't even have uh, time to talk about all the things we are going to talk about. So we won't go into that in depth, but you know, that's another, you know, like direct stroking of, of the prostate can, can lead to that, uh, that kind of thing. So if, you know, if, if stuff come starts coming out of the person's cock, as you stroke their prostate, that's like a really normal response. Like if the cock gets a bit leaky that, you know, you might be pressing uh fluid out. Now, um, what people usually think of when they think of butt stuff is ass fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, for most people, it's going to require a lot of the above to get the area comfortable enough. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of a lot of warm up, a lot of these other types of stimulation, sort of you know uh, working your way in, thinking of it like concentric circles, like getting you know more and more specific towards um, towards the insertion. Um, some people are, are often good to go. I I don't, I don't know how they get to that. I feel like it might just be one of those talents like ambidexterity. Yeah. And I think repetition. Yeah. Um, so, you know, muscles that you stretch regularly are more flexible than muscles that you don't. So if, if, like me, every couple months, you decide to put something in your butt, you know, you have to start from scratch. Again, um, much like if I decided to do some like epic mountain climb, you know, like I would have to like really warm up first, um, because I don't do it often. But people who, you know, play with their butts multiple times a week, have anal sex regularly, you know, those muscles stretch out, those nerve endings become accustomed to that sensation, and they're just much more responsive, much more quickly. Um, so repetition, um, frequency, all of this sort of thing is is going to be part of it as far as like, you know, the people who are good to go or, or just, you know, can get there more quickly. Yeah. And I, you know, just biologically, we're all different. So some people are just wired that you know, they are more responsive. Yeah, or, they're, they're, or, or just more they're just shaped differently, yeah. and their muscles are longer or shorter in the right ways. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, we talked a little bit about you know filling versus fucking. If you have been ass fucked and felt like you really didn't like it, but you liked a lot of the stuff around butt play, maybe this is something to consider. Maybe you would enjoy having something in there and not really a lot of thrusting in and out. Just yeah. the, just the sensation of being full, uh, whether it's a toy or somebody, you know, somebody fucking your ass, but not, um, you know, uh, not vigorously. And this is, I think this is my favorite of the ways that I've had cocks inside me, mm-hmm. whether biococks or silicone versions of, of having it sort of pressed, like having it fully inserted and then actually the pressure of it sort of externally against the external part of my ass feels really good. Yeah. And so that kind of grinding motion against the outside is while full feels amazing. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a thing you can do, uh, where you're, you're kind of, uh, fully inserted and you're thrusting, but not withdrawing. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're, it's not, you're not withdrawing at all, but you're just kind of letting the natural relaxing to not really withdraw, but just, you know, um, just kind of, you know, relieve the, the pressure. And so, yeah, that, that kind of, you know, um, it's uh, kind of a grind. Like it's kind it's, of a grind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, that is the thing that I found that I like the most as opposed to like the actual withdraw and then re, like, that that motion is often a little too intense for me for 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 uh for a lot of people the most uncomfortable part is that initial insertion yeah and but but for some people that's their favorite part and so they they want you to you know uh, to to do do a lot of thrusting and occasionally pull all the way out and push back in um for uh for people that are getting pegged um it's it's um, and you find that insertion un- uh, uncomfortable, uh, one of the things to consider is maybe try a bigger dildo. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time people will start with something that's actually too small. It's, 
yeah, it's too small for someone to really, you know, wield with, with any amount yeah. of control. It's very pokey mm-hmm. when it's really small. And I, even girth wise, I feel like something that's, you know, really on the small side, it doesn't really dilate you very much. And so there's kind of more of that pulling mm. that I talked about before. So it gives yeah. it a pinchy sensation. Yeah. If you, if you can, um, if you can maybe try to work up to something that is, you know, maybe, uh, at least the, the girth of a modest biocock, um, and something that's, that's fairly long. You've got so much room up there. Girth is the limitation, not, not length. Yeah. So, uh, something that's a bit longer, so it'll stay in and, yeah. um, you know, and, and allow a bit more control once it's inside. Yeah. Especially since, you know, the person doing the pegging doesn't have the, the biofeedback yep. of the wiring to know, you know, when they're pulling out and if they're bumping out of that secondary sphincter a lot that yeah. you know, is going to cause really intense sensations. So, and positioning, we discovered very early on that positioning was so key um, for, for pegging um, because we had tried like doggy style because, you know, you look at anal sex, you know, and that's what you see. Yep, hands and, and knees. And, yeah. Yep. So we tried that and, and it just wasn't, didn't work for us. So we discovered that having you, um, like riding cowboy on top of me was much better because it gave you the control. Yeah. And I basically just stayed still until you tell me to fuck you. <laughs> um, and so that, that works really well. And, and having that control, especially when there's fear involved and having the eye contact, um, is, is great. Yep. Um, whereas other people prefer the, the sort of missionary with, you know, cushions under your butt to, to get it up and that sort of thing. But again, it gives you a little more control, a little more, you know, gives you that eye contact and that ability to, to read what's going on for your partner. Yeah. You know, and an alternative, if you, if you like, uh, if you like it from behind, an alternative to doggy style that can give you more control is just on your stomach. Yeah. Maybe with a pillow under the hips to, to, you know, raise the, the buttocks a little bit, but that can be actually be a really good position to, to give, uh, to give you a lot of control and you also, you know, the, the ass is not going to be moving all over the place. It, it, it uh, kind of keeps it in a more predictable place. Mm-hmm. So especially without a biocock that that'll give you, um, give you more control. Uh, one of the things that, that often surprises me is um, I'll be, you know, I'll be riding cowboy and I'll think it's, I'll think it's too intense. I'll think it's a bit too much. But then, um, you know, you might, uh, I might slip a little bit and, you know, get a little bit more thrust than I was expecting and, you know, and just get this wave of pleasure and, you know, and realize that I'm more ready than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And so that's often when I'll ask you to start thrusting. Um, and so, so sometimes when, when you're feeling overwhelmed, it's not because it's too much. It's just because that's the sensations. Yeah. Lube. Lube. Lube is not just your friend. <laughs> lube is essential. Yes. And more lube than you think you might need. Much like going slower than you think you need to, adding more lube than you think you need to is a really good call. I did once have too much lube. I'm not saying it's not possible <laughs> to have too much lube. 
but generally people err on not enough lube. It's true. Yeah. More, more lube for sure. The, the, the anus is not self lubricating. In in fact, it's specifically designed to absorb moisture. Yeah. Uh, Lube can actually be a matter of personal preference. And if you've had experiences that weren't fantastic, changing lube, um, trying more lube, you know, um, playing with the lube admixture, that might be the yeah. solution to, to getting more pleasure out of it. Yeah. Cause as you said, like the, the, the rectum absorbs moisture. So if you're using a water based lube, there's a good chance that it's going to be absorbing yes. the liquid in the lube. So it's going to get stickier faster than it would normally. So you're going to have to reapply more frequently. Um, that's why silicone lube is awesome for anal sex, um, yep. because it's just going to coat and it's not going to get absorbed. Um, again, you need to be careful of, of silicone toys. In this case, you want to put condoms on them. Um, but yeah, for, for finger play and for, for biococ, silicone lube is amazing. Um, or the water base that have like the gel sort of like the thicker ones that provide a bit of a cushion. Um, a lot of people we know love those, like the, the sassy or the maximus that, that just give, you know, a little, little extra padding rather than a, a thinner kind of, uh, water-based lube, um, or a combination of a couple different things are, are often really great. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny because, uh, some of our friends, they like to, they like to, uh, you know, apply one of the, the, uh, gel lubes and then add some silicone on top of that, I actually prefer the opposite. Yeah. I like to, I like to, you know, uh, coat the dildo with, uh, with silicon, um, so that it's got that base that's going to, you know, have longevity. It's not going to evaporate. It's not going to get absorbed. Yeah. And then something slippery, either water-based or a hybrid lube, like, um, like liquid silk, which is, you know, um, water-based with some silicon in it. Yeah. Um, the benefit of the, it, it's a very slippery lube, which, which I like. And on top of that, it, the, um, the silicone in it helps to keep it from evaporating or getting absorbed. Yeah. And there's also, there's like the lube shooter things that are yep. sort of like a, a thing that you can just like shoot lube deep into your butthole. So that's a really great way to, to get it, to, you know, to coat the inside a little bit more so that when something is sliding all the way into you, there's already lube there. Yeah, in preparation. I, I, I've uh, I've never done the lube shooters, but I like to lube both surfaces, both as a receiver yeah. and a giver. I like to I like you know to to lube oh, the yeah. anus and also lube the uh, lube the phallus. Yeah. So preparing for anal sex, um, you know, we talked earlier on like poop comes out of this orifice. <laughs> yes. Um, so you need to know that like, if you know your body super well and you know, like when you've evacuated and when you're empty and how that all goes. Um, awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there is the possibility of poop. Yeah. And, um, you know, people, um, people often will, will tell you that, um, that enemas, or, you know, more accurately, anal douches, um, are unnecessary. But, um, it, but if you know your body and you know that sometimes there's material in there when, when you're not expecting it, or 
just to give yourself that confidence yeah. of knowing that you're nice and clean. Yeah. You know, if you just, you know, and, and it's kind of a, a, a bit of self care as well. It's like, okay, I'm really taking care of myself. I'm going to be, you know, nice and nice and squeaky clean. Yeah. So, you know, these things have, uh, you know, have benefits, um, for, for, you know, people that, that, uh, that want to, want to engage. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe you can tell me why, why it's technically a douche and not an enema like it's normally referred to. Um, I don't know. You didn't tell me to research. This. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were a scientist. Um, we'll just call it an enema from now on, then. Yeah. Well, I think it's just like you know, you have this small bulb, and it might it might be that if you're only rinsing the the rectum, that that's you know douching as opposed to like the enema that's the full bag where you're actually going into the colon got it um that might be but you have vaginal douches that don't so yeah i i really i it might just be the the device that you use like the, the oh, bulb maybe. Yeah. or the the squirt bottle that you would use in a vaginal douche um although like fleet enemas are in that sort of thing so yeah i i do not know <laughs> And yeah, that one was an exciting question. Sorry, I didn't mean to blindside you. I, I I actually thought you knew this because you were the first person I knew who started, you know, correcting it as douches rather than, than enemas. Huh. <laughs> well, perhaps I was being a bit of an enema about it. <laughs> oh, I mean a douche. <laughs> so um, people often wonder, okay, what, what should I actually um, put up there to clean myself out? Just lukewarm water. Yeah. Roughly body temperature. Other ingredients could cause irritation or actually mess with the GI flora if it's got, you know, like, you know, herbs or minerals in it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're buying, um, like something like the Fleet Enema, I don't know whether that's just a Canadian brand, but like that's the <laughs> typical one we get in the drugstore. Um, like you, those bottles are awesome to reuse, but you just take it and you empty it out and you clean it out and rinse it really thoroughly so there's no soap residue. And then you just put, you know, plain old water in there. Um, and that, that is your friend. Or you can buy the, the, uh, the rubber, um, enema bulbs from like pretty much any pharmacy or online or sex store. Um, those are fantastic reusable things. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and and a lot of disposable kits actually have a laxative in them, yeah, which sure. you don't want for this. You're no. you know you're trying to get clean, not you know yeah. not active. Yeah. Um. The uh, the advice I've heard is that if you if you um, if you don't know your body enough to know otherwise, to try to allow at least two hours between having an enema and actually getting down to business. Um, this is. You know, there, there can be like extra waves so mm-hmm. that there's like new waves or, or trickles that, that can come after you've, you've evacuated the enema. Um, but in addition, there are these delicate mucuses that line your rectum and you want those to have an opportunity to regenerate. Yeah. Yeah. So regardless of anything else, at least 30 minutes. Yes. You know, but, but yeah, if you don't, if you don't know your body very well, like two hours is a really safe, kind of um timeline but you know if you if you know how your body works and and you you know you know when you're done still 30 minutes just to give you your you know and give yourself some like recuperation time like it can be pretty intense like um 
yeah, to, for, to flush out your system. For so. myself, I, I know that, that, um, you know, uh, 30 minutes is, is probably fine. I prefer about an hour. Yeah. Um, one, uh, one bit of advice is, uh, don't rush it. Um, yeah. you, you really, you, yes. you know, you're putting something in your bottom. So just like we talked about before, take your time, take your time inserting the, um, the, the tube. And also, uh, when you're flushing yourself out, do that gently. You don't want to, uh, strain any tissue either through the insertion or by, you know, just hosing your insides. Yeah. Um, you don't want to actually bla- blast loose a lot of the thick mucuses that are, yeah. that are inside there. Mucus is your friend. <laughs> so, um, Anal sex, despite the kind of, you know, the power dynamics that we see in porn and kind of the, you know, implication of, you know, sort of, you know, dominance and, you know, mastering somebody, um, it can be a very intimate experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I find that, that, um, it's often, you know, because of the vulnerability of it, yeah. it's often, you know, uh, at least if not more intimate than most other sex acts. Yeah. Well, there's so much trust involved. Yes. And, you know, I really, like, I, I tell partners that I don't do anal. Like, that is, it's just, like, it's a hard no for me. Um, well, and, you've had a bad experience where you told well, someone that you were into butt stuff and they yes. thought that meant full-on ass-fucking. Yeah, and with a horse cock. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, regardless of any of that, like, I just say, like, it's a hard no for me. And then, like, with, like, basically you, um, it's, you know... We it's try actually some, maybe, you yeah. know, it's actually a maybe. And, you know, if it, ever the circumstances were right with like one other person, I would consider it. But yeah, it's, it's so, there's so much trust involved that it's a, it's a very intimate experience. And even on my own, it can be really emotional. It, when I play by myself, I've still had like, big like shame drop kind of things like I've had crazy good orgasms and then just gone into this just like really dark place related to just that that vulnerability so it's you know it's not you know unless it's something that you know you love and it's just like woo, let's give her like it's you know there can be a lot of there can be a lot of vulnerability involved and all the stuff you we were discuss, discussing about masculinity. Like, yes, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it it's it's amazing that I've come from like you know ten or fifteen years ago when the idea of somebody thinking I was into it was really shameful to being at a play party a few months ago and actually you know uh, getting pegged in public for the first yeah. time. And oh, that was so fucking hot. You know, but it's it's not for everyone. Uh, as we said at the beginning of this show, not everyone's into it. You're not obliged to be into it. You don't owe anybody your ass. Doesn't make you any less cool or sex positive. No. So, um, what are some of the resources that people can use that, you know, that have helped us to get into butt stuff? Yeah, well, Tristan Taramino's uh, Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women, which also has a lot of chapters in it that, that are very applicable for men um as well um is a great resource um lots of awesome information in there oh yeah sorry i was yeah i was just gonna say that that um 
even though the sort of the primary focus of it is, you know, quote, for women, I found it a, a fantastic yeah. read and super instructional, you know, and their, uh, the latest uh, edition does have information for people of all kinds of body types. Yes. So if you're, you know, um, if you happen to be, uh, you know, someone with a penis and or a prostate, you know, this is, uh, this is still a, a useful resource to you on both sides. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, we love Tristan. So, that's that's great stuff. Uh, there's also the Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure, which Charlie Glickman and I believe a co-author wrote, which I should have looked up. Um, so Charlie Glickman and X. Sorry, co-author. Um, but also like lots of great information for those people who have prostates. Um, and we've gotten a lot out of workshops. And in mm-hmm. fact, the first butt stuff workshop that I went to. I was not expecting to learn anything because I was like, okay, I've read a lot. I've done a lot. I know about butts. I learned so, so much. I was blown away by how much I had to learn. Yeah. So, yeah, check out your local sex positive uh, bookstore and uh, see what they've got for workshops and seminars. Or if people are coming into town, um, it's always worth going and checking those out. I guess that's about it for butts. That's, uh, I guess we're at the ass end of this episode. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our butts talk. Please help boost our visibility by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or the platform of your choice. It helps us get into the ear holes of more listeners. Follow us on Twitter at wetcoastcat, at seriousflick, at On The Wet Coast. Like us on facebook.com slash on the wet coast. Email contact at on the wet coast.com. Go to on the wet coast.com for Kat's blog and more, or find her over at life on the swing set.com under the blog heading On The Wet Coast. You can also hear a lot more of Cat and Flick by buying the audiobooks of Cooper Beckett's novels, A Lifeless Monogamous, and Approaching the Swingularity, available at cooperSbeckett.com. Enter code WETCOAST at checkout to save 10%, also on audible.com. Check out other awesome sex-positive podcasts on the Swingset Network at swingset.fm. This is Aislinn Amerzian, co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure. You're listening to a Swingset podcast at swingset.fm. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's our dinner might be done. Um...